Uh, we're talking about the cross today, and uh, a little different uh, sermon title to what's in your bulletin, so I'm kind of going in a bit of different direction, but hopefully we're ending in the same place. And uh, really talking about the paradox of the cross today, and there, it says comfort in here. We'll, we'll get to that piece a little bit at the end there, but I want to talk about that. And I thought maybe it would be good to do a bit of review. Some people are with us that are that are visiting, and we're doing a, a series right now that's uh, kind of working together with small groups. I hope all or most of you are together, get meeting together in small groups and uh, having a good time getting a little deeper and personal with, with some of the things that relate to fan or follower. And uh, so basically a quick review. We've, we've, uh, this is our fourth uh, Sunday formally in, in the series. And uh, our first Sunday we started with this idea of fan or follower and trying to understand a little bit of the difference in terms of what's God looking for. And you may remember, uh, those of you that have seen uh, the video, that um, the pastor that's, that's speaking there, he's talking about the fact that God, Jesus, was never really looking for people to just be fans, uh, but to actually follow and get serious about, about the relationship. Uh, the, the, the next uh, Sunday we talked about it being an invitation for all. And that really at the beginning of this journey with the Lord, it's open to all. There's no prerequisites uh, that are required for you to think about or get into or start on this journey, start in this followership idea. And uh, I, I, I thought when we, when we were hearing that sermon, I thought about that time, and, and you may remember either in high school or university or college or whatever, and you're trying to figure out your timetable for your courses, and you get it all figured out, and then you start going through and realizing, oh, I don't have the prerequisite for that, and I don't, I need this course before I can take that course, and yeah, a lot of challenges there. But in this case, all, all are invited, all are, it's open to all to follow. And then uh, last Sunday we talked about this intimate relationship that Jesus desires uh, a relationship for us, you and me, our relationship, uh, sorry, me and Jesus, pardon me, to know each other intimately. That, that that's a very deep, meaningful, intimate, nothing's hidden, honest relationship with each other, and that that's that's what Jesus that's what He wants, that's what He desires. And 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 for some of us that's difficult because we don't we maybe don't have or been a part of a relationship ever like that. And so we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. Uh, last week and hopefully had some time to chat about that in your, your midweek studies and, and what this idea of being in an intimate relationship with Jesus is about. Well, today we're, we're looking at, at the cross and, and really this whole series is centered around a, a, a single verse and we're going to get to that in a minute, but it's this idea of, of taking up your cross and, and we've, we've probably heard that before. You've probably even said that before, this idea of, you know, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to take up your cross and follow him daily. And uh, so that's a little bit about what we're talking about. And uh, before we get there, though, I want to do a little bit of a word association with you. And uh, this is your opportunity to throw out some, some answers or whatever. When I say the word cross, what kind of words come to your mind? And if you will, just, just throw them out. When you hear the word cross, what, what do you think? Saved? Saved? Yeah. Sacrifice? Sacrifice? Suffering. Suffering. Yeah. Pardon me? Yeah. There's death involved. Love. 
What else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Reconnection. Good. Peace. Peace. Yeah. We could go on. There's lots of... How many are wearing a cross right now? I, I was uh, in prayer this morning, or a couple ladies that had their cross. Oh, maybe we'll have everybody hold up their cross. But who, who's wearing a cross this morning? That, Yeah, lots, right? Okay, let's play this game another time. You ready? Next word. Here it is. Guillotine. Death. Death. French. French, okay, yeah. Quick. Quick. Judgment. Judgment. Losing your head. Losing your head, yeah. In the in not figuratively, we're talking the real deal. Yeah, yeah. Lots of blood. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What other words? Gas. Gas. Okay. Sentence. Sentence. Yeah. How many are wearing a guillotine around their neck this morning? I'm hoping nobody is, because that'll really mess it up for me. Um, when we think about that, uh, it's it's very interesting. When we when I when I threw the word out of the cross, we had both death and and um, brutality and all the different words, suffering and all, all these things that that are associated with the cross. But we also heard wonderful and and peace and grace and hope and savior. And the fascinating thing is that with that particular word, we've got real. Opposites that somehow come together and land in our minds and in our hearts when we hear this word, the cross. Now, interestingly enough, if we were to go back in history uh, and, and do the word association prior to Jesus, prior to anything that we really now understand in terms of or has changed our understanding of the cross, we might have very similar answers to what we heard here this morning when I said guillotine. I didn't hear anything good about the guillotine. I heard judgment and, and, and beheading and quick and death and lots of blood. And a lot of those things were associated as well with the cross, but with the guillotine we were missing the hope, the peace, the life, Savior. And nobody, at least unless they've got some pretty deranged wears a guillotine around their neck to celebrate that that symbol. But many of us wear a cross. And if we were to go back in time prior to Jesus, if someone saw a cross, they would only ever think of death and suffering and evil. Because that was the instrument that was used, and particularly if you go back in ancient Roman times, I mean, the amount of people that were killed on a cross, and what that symbolized in that culture, if they could somehow come back today and see that we have what crosses, I mean, we've got three or four in this, in this room alone, and that we wear them on our necks, and somehow that, that we celebrate this symbol, they would, be, they, would, they would have a hard time in the same way we would if we saw people wearing a guillotine, and we'd have to think, what, what's up with you, man? <laughs> you know? Why are you wearing a symbol of death and suffering and, 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 and you know, around your neck? And, and so we have this very interesting thing going on with the cross. And uh, that, that's kind of a little opener to lead us into trying to understand that. And today, as we've already kind of pulled out a little bit, there's this paradox with the cross. There's this, 
There's this death and suffering. There's this hope and life. And, and, and it's very interesting, the, the whole notion of the cross. Uh, let's take a look at, at our scripture this morning, and we're going to look at Luke. Uh, and again, this is the verse that we've used uh, pretty well every Sunday, and, and we kind of jump off of it into where we're going. And I'm going to read Luke 9.23, and then we're also going to look at Matthew 10, which is uh, another account of the same uh, speaking of Jesus. Uh, in Luke 9.23, then he said to all of them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. And uh, then it goes on, whoever wants to lose his life, and, and, and then let's go to, to Matthew 10, and I'll read a little bit more here. They're very similar. Matthew 10, uh, 37 to 39. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so we read these things, and we've probably, as I said earlier, heard this very, very often, take up your cross and follow me. But one of the challenges is, is that there's this, something doesn't make sense. And that's why I've, I've kind of used this concept or this idea of paradox. Paradox is, Something that's true, but it, it just doesn't naturally seem like it should be. It's, it's truth, but when I think about it, it's like that shouldn't be true. It's, it's this paradox. It's this weird, how is it that the cross, a single symbol, can represent both life and death? How can it represent suffering and, and brutality and hope and peace? And those, those are words that, in the, and, and that's a paradox. That's that idea that how can these two things be true because they seem to be opposite or they can't be together in the same. And, and yet we have that in this symbol and it's, and it's fascinating uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at as we go through. Our sermon in a sentence, if you will, this morning is that following is not about trying every day but about dying every day. And that sounds a bit, oh... Okay, I was having fun up until now, but that is the idea. We're going to talk about what that means, and our goal this morning is to try and understand what it means to carry my cross, that we have a clear understanding of what that means in terms of following Jesus. That's, that's where we're going. And again, if we go back to history, at one time, the cross only meant, okay, it only meant death and guilt and darkness, and weakness, and condemnation, and suffering. That's all that people, in the same way that the guillotine to us right now, that's really all it means. It, it's just, it's negative, it's dark, it's, it's death, and everything that kind of goes with that. But now what's interesting is that it also means life, grace, strength, light, freedom, hope. And many of you pulled these kinds of words or ones similar to them in our little word association. Now, some people have suggested that the cross has moved from death and suffering and so on and has now become light and hope and peace and that that's all gone and, and, and that now it's been completely redeemed and, 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 and we look at that in, in that regard. 
But what's interesting about that is that I would challenge that a little bit because I still think, I still believe that the cross represents both. It still does represent death and suffering. It still does, and it does also represent life and peace and hope. It's both. And it's in this, this idea that both are still represented there that again we have this paradox or we have this, how do we understand this? And how to both kind of work together in terms of our understanding of what God's done, what Christ has done, and in our understanding of what does that mean for me as a follower and what does that look like? And it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And, and I say that we, re, we have still both because today we're talking about taking up our cross. Well, what are we talking about? You know, what are we talking about in this idea of dying to self? So there's still this death piece here, but at the same time, life. So how, how does this work? And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and even, even in Scripture, Jesus talks about the fact, I want you to not only remember that I rose again, but I want you to remember the fact that I did suffer and I died. We're not that far along yet, Gord, sorry. That's okay. I'm coming there. And, and the, the, these things work together. And, 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 and it's not just, hey, everything's great. No, we're to remember that what Christ went through was significant and a, and a tremendous loss. And there was suffering. And so that's where we're going with this paradox. All right, the first paradox this morning I want to look at is that the cross is a symbol of both death and a symbol of life. And both of them are involved in this, and that's the part that's, okay, how does that work? And in some ways I would go further to say that not only is it, is it death and life, but it's also the process of death to life, right? Because there's this process of, and we see that lived out when Christ died on the cross. He died, and then he rose again. He came to life. And, and so there's this idea that there's this process. And when it talks about the fact that we're to carry our cross, I believe what it's talking about is that we go through this process. There's something that dies. There's some kind of process or transformation or something, and then comes to life. And... It's this idea that we die to ourselves and are transformed into this new life with Christ, a life of Christ-likeness. There's a change. And I have a little uh, a little diagram here we're going to work our way through. Uh, on the next slide there, I think, uh, Gord. And, oh, not quite. There we go. So there's this idea that our, if we start with our, there's us, and, and this is what this, this is about this morning, it's about us in this dealing or thinking about us, and all of our things, and I just put a number of things up here, purpose, priorities, will, values, understanding, thinking, behavior, I mean, you could put, you could list and list and list and list, our time, our money, or anything that, that's ours, right, it's our thing, whatever those things are, and it's this idea that the cross represents that all of that stuff dies or is somehow looked at and said that's of no value or I'm going to, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but we're going to set it aside or put it aside or whatever. 
and, and that there's some kind of a change. So in the middle of this diagram, we've got the cross, and all of our stuff dies, and then is changed to His, or Jesus, if you will, or God, His purpose, priorities, etc., etc., etc. And so we still have purpose, we still have priorities, we still have will and all that sort of thing, but whose are we talking about? And this idea of taking up my cross which involves death, our will, our priorities, our values, dies. There's a process, there's a transformation, and all of a sudden we have life, and that is, or the positive is Jesus. So that's the birth or the rebirth or Jesus, the new life, the Christ-likeness. And so we have death, we have a transformation, a change, and then life. And this is what's cool about the cross, because it represents both of those things together. Jesus went through that, and we go through that each and every day. There's stuff that's dying, it's being transformed, and it's it's new, it's different, it's life, it's 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 what God wants, it's His, and uh, it's it's interesting. And so, what does what does dying mean? What does dying mean is sort of the next kind of question. And so. I just put a few things down here. It talks about we yield our, and you can fill in the blank. You know, whatever it is that that we yield that. And and when we think about yielding, and if you were here, I don't know, it's been a while, but I had a big yield sign up here some time ago I spoke. And we talked about the fact yielding, and of course yielding is, we understand it, certainly from the metaphor of traffic, or the example of traffic is, is that I don't have the right of way. I've got to somehow fit into the oncoming traffic if I'm merging onto a highway or if I'm at a stop. Something else has the right of way. Something else is, is, is more important, takes precedence over what I'm doing, and I have to somehow fit, right? And I may have to change when I enter the highway. I may have to change my speed, right? There's some change that happens. I, they're not, it's not changing. They're in a constant state of movement, and I somehow have to change in order to yield to fit into that. And so in our own lives, there's this idea that the things that that we have or want or desire, that they somehow have to fit into, they have to yield to what God's doing, what God desires, what God teaches, and and it's this yielding. Another way we might say it is that we give up our, and you can fill in the blank for what Jesus wants. Sometimes it's not a, a change or, or adapting a little bit. Sometimes it's like, I'm just not doing that. It's not that I have to change. I'm not doing that. i got to give that up, whatever that is. And it might be something that I desire, something that I want to do, or something that I don't want to do and I need to do it. But we, we give that up. It's like, okay. And we do what Jesus wants. Sometimes it's sacrifice. It's not just, oh, well, that was... For some of the things in our life, it's easy to give that up. I, I, I don't have a problem giving that up or doing that, but there's other things, and we all have different things, that for us, it is sacrifice. And we heard that word this morning associated with the cross, that there's some sacrificing, there's some cost, there's some something. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. What Christ went through on the cross, it's not easy. What Christ is calling us to do in taking up our cross, it's not easy. It, it, I'm not going to pretend it is. It's, it's, it's an ongoing struggle. 
particularly in those areas that we, and each of us know what they are, for each of us, struggle in and have to work on and continue in. And hopefully as we do that, the Holy Spirit allows us to do that. And basically, we put first what Jesus wants. And that all sounds, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the question is, is that, am I going through that process all the time? You say, all the time. All the time. Every purchase, every decision, every conversation, every thought that I, that I have, is it going through this process of, is this me or is this Jesus? And if it's me, it needs to die and it needs to change to what God wants or what Jesus wants. All of that. And it's just this, it becomes this way that we we think. It becomes this way that we believe. It becomes this way that we behave. It's just constantly asking that question. Because again, our text says that it's daily. So it implies that. It's not just a one-time thing. And so this this dying and I think the next one there, is personal. It's something that you have to do. It's something that I have to do. Someone can't do this for you. Now, we we work together, and it's great to be in small groups because we challenge one another, and we encourage one another, and and, 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 and share and, and have some some great times together. But it's 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 your faith. It's it's what you what you have to do. It's personal, this this constant, okay, where am I at? What does God want? Is this being transformed in, in, in terms of my thinking or my will or my priorities and so on? And it's continuous. And again, our text talks about the fact that daily, and I know this to be true in my life, I, I got to go through every day. I got to stay on those things that I struggle with. I got to continually be asking those questions what needs to yield, what need I give up, what do I need to sacrifice, all of those things. And it's it's an ongoing piece and it's and it's tough. You know, we're kind of on that, you know, that dying suffering. It's not not necessarily fun. It's it is difficult. But as we're transformed, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but as we're transformed, we see life and hope and peace, just as we do in the paradox of the symbol of the cross. All right. Second paradox, paradox number two. Living for ourselves is not good for us. Now, hold on a minute here. It should make sense that if I live for myself and I look after myself, that that should be good for me. And that is what the world teaches. That's what the world would say. Look out for number one. Nobody else will. Right? Make sure that you... You know, you're looking out for yourself so that you can help others. And we hear all these kind of things. Make sure, you know, you need to do this and you need to do this. You need to get yourself here and get your education and work on your career. And you need to live for yourself and that will be good. But the paradox that we're seeing here is that if we live for ourselves, um, that, it, that it's not good for you. So that that's the challenge. And we have this... We have this, this paradox, and that says living for yourself is good for you. That would be wrong. It should say not good for you. I forgot the word not in there, so that's going to confuse some of you. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, but you get the idea. That Sorry, that would be the paradox. Living for yourself is good for you. It actually is not. 
And that's, that's the challenge. So, so the, the issue here is that when we live for ourselves, the Bible says that's a problem. And in our scripture this morning, it talked about the fact that, that you get your life or you, if you lose your life, you gain it. But if you hold on to your life, you lose it. And it's this idea that, hold on a second, I'm not supposed to live for myself. And if I do, that's actually bad. And, and there's this challenging paradox that goes on there because the world and our culture is like, oh, you got to look out for yourself and that'll be good for you. But the reality is, is that the Bible teaches us something different. And, and it's this odd thing. And again, it's all centered around this dying to self and living for something different. And that that is actually what's good for you. That is actually what, what, what makes a huge difference. And there's a couple of verses here that, that talks about um, some of these things. I wanted to go to Ecclesiastes, and some of you will be familiar with this, but it's a fascinating read, the first couple chapters of Ecclesiastes. And we have Solomon here who's trying to have a little sort of epilogue or a dialogue with himself or whatever on life. And uh, he talks about the fact in verse 2, he says, Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? And it goes on for a couple of chapters and talks about the fact that everything we do that's just for ourselves, everything that we do to try and gain in this world or to amass things or to get ahead or uh, to have fame or fortune or whatever all that stuff is, it's all meaningless. It's all futile. It's all just... It, you know, and he goes on to say, in a number of years you'll be forgotten. All the good things that you did will be forgotten. All of what you've done is just meaningless. And, and, and there's this challenge that if we take up the, the mantra of the world that it's get, 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 and, and me, 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 the reality is it's meaningless. And, and that's a real challenge, but we don't, or we struggle with that, and we don't seem to understand the, the reality of that. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, uh, there's another verse that says, For the message of the cross, this paradox, this dying to self and living, the fact that Jesus had to die in order for us to be saved, it's just, what is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so there's this, this real challenge to understand how, why did, you know, we hear this all the time, why did God have to die? Why couldn't he save us some other way? That's a great question. And hopefully you've thought about that and have a good answer uh, to that question. But this idea that, that there was death involved and that that had to occur in order for there to be life, the fact that for us to have fulfillment in life, to actually, for something to be good for us, to, to die to ourself and what we want and our desires in order to have life, and fulfill, let's just, what? And the fact that to not live for myself and to live for others is actually what's good for me, is actually what's great, what's better, it's the better way to live or the best way, like, it's how God created, like, whoa. And we have, again, this struggle and this paradox. And to the world, to people who don't stop and kind of understand that paradox, it seems foolish. That's what our script, our verse says in 1 Corinthians. It's foolish, like, and it does, at at least first glance, seem odd that if I don't live for myself, that that's actually a good thing. 
And that's what Scripture teaches. So it's interesting. One of the things about Christianity is that the offense of the gospel is also the blessing of the gospel. And that's the cross. The, the challenge that so many people have in moving from either being a believer to becoming a believer, that so many people have from being a fan to getting out of the chair and actually getting into this life and, and serving and all that God has for us, the biggest challenge is the cross. It's the fact that I've got to somehow carry my cross. I've got to somehow die to myself and do something different, take on a different will, a different value system, and so on, that is God's, that's Jesus. That's the biggest challenge. At the same time, the same cross that Jesus died on is the greatest blessing because He took that sin for us on the cross. We're saved. And you guys threw out that word too. There's salvation, there's hope, there's peace. And it's like, I want that! But do I have to do the other? Yeah. Just like Jesus, you know, had to go through the suffering and the pain. And then there was life. We have to lay down our life or pick up our cross so there can be transformation so that we can have and accept and, and have this relationship, this followership relationship with the Lord. We have to go through that process. It's both death and suffering and both life and hope and peace. Working together through a process. It's, 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 it's how it is. And our gospel to so many is like, well, I don't want to give all those things up. Well, you're missing out on the blessing. You're missing out on the peace. You're missing out on all of that stuff. And, and our world says, well, who would do this? It doesn't seem feasible. But the truth is, is that it's real. And as we make that tran- transformation, it's better. This leads us to our third paradox. Oh, sorry, we're not quite there yet. So there's a, a sorry, I wanted to show you a, a, a chart here or a, a table of some things here. And I'm sorry that's really small and maybe difficult to read. But we talk about this idea of living for self. And again, I just put a bunch of the same things, purpose, priorities, will. And I, I, I just sat down and thought for a few minutes, what, when I live for myself, what does the Bible say, you know, purpose is? Well, life is meaningless. And priorities, if I just live for myself, they're misaligned with the Creator. And my will is self-serving. And values are unfounded, or they're based on kind of unknown truth. I just kind of make up what I think is right and proper and valuable. Our understanding can be confused and misguided, our thinking futile. And our behavior builds a kingdom that will be destroyed. And in terms of hope, where's the hope? And living for yourself. And that that's what, that's what life is only all about. And here's the interesting thing is that the reality of that, that's what's heavy. Right? That's heavy. That's like, you know, we think, oh, living for myself, that's good and, and I'll just do it. I won't have any worries. I won't, it'll be fine. I'll be happy. No, actually the, the reverse is, is the case. It's, it's a, it's heavy. You know? And then on the other side, living for Jesus, when we talk about purpose, life has any, is eternally meaningful. We understand what's going on. We understand that my life is, is important and I've been created for a specific and, and, and thing to do and, 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 and to be used by God and there's, there's meaning and we have purpose and our priorities become aligned with the Creator. 
And that, that, that's ideally what we want. And our will becomes others-focused, and our values are based in truth as we understand them from Scripture, and things start to make sense. I understand why I believe this. I understand why. And we're living in a world right now where, where what is valuable and what is held to be true, it's just changing every week. Every week. Like, it's incredible. And the decisions that are being made in our government, in various countries and so on, are being made on shifting values. And we know that in our own country here. Values that we first started with when this country was created have shifted significantly in terms of what we make our decisions on. And our understanding can become enlightened and more clear in terms of what God's doing and what's happening. And our thinking can be truthful. And our behavior leads to building an eternal kingdom. And we're investing in things that will never die. They will last forever. And we have an eternal hope. And the reality of this, there's the peace, there's the lightness, the, ah, and if you will, this is the comfortable part of the cross. Right? When we, when we bear ours and take up Christ, it's way better, it's way lighter living for the Lord, living for Jesus. But it seems like it can't be true, it seems like it's too difficult, it seems like I just can't make that decision. Living for Jesus with all its sacrifices is better than living for self with all its realities. Paradox number three, tied together with the last one, but living, letting go is getting. How can that be? How can I let go and that actually gets, right? This whole, it's the same as the last one, that living for myself is, is good. It's, it's letting go is getting. When we take up our cross, we let go of our own will and take on God's. And with this comes the fulfillment of why we were created. There's something that we have to understand here that's important, is that we may not necessarily understand or feel like sacrificing ourselves and yielding ourselves and giving up certain things or whatever, that 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 would make sense that somehow I'd become fulfilled when I do that. But the reality is, is that it's true. And that's a bit of the paradox. And when you actually start to live the way you were created to live, which is in fellow, followership with Jesus, not fandom, followership with Jesus, all of a sudden our life and fulfillment and everything that comes with that all starts to change. And it's wonderful. And hopefully you've experienced that. When you do something that might be very uncharacteristic, that someone would make a decision like that in this world, or that would not necessarily specifically benefit you, or is is in honor of others, or you're sacrificing something, and or you're you're maybe going through tremendous sacrifice and cost on behalf of the Lord or in the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden you've got this strange sensation of this is great. And anybody looking in is like, how can it be great? Because you gave up that and you, you, you yielded that and you don't have that. And you, I'm just telling you it is. Because I'm living life the way I was created to live. And it's not about me. It's about living for Jesus and all that that entails. And there's this, there's this 
thought and, and, and I guess feelings and understanding and all this that just pervades us as we start to shift and be transformed. And it's wonderful. And it's so difficult to explain that to someone who's trying to look at it through perhaps worldly eyes that say, well, it doesn't make sense that if I give all this up that somehow that's going to be better. And then I'm going to get fulfillment and I'm going to get, you know, a life that makes sense and wonderful and so on. It just doesn't seem to, it's hard to believe. But it's true. And it sounds risky. You know, if I just say to God, it's all yours, what does that mean for my pickup truck? Like, is that, is that included in that? Uh, like, and it's risky, right? We're afraid. You know, or it's like, okay, God, like, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll, gee, what if? But scripture tells us and scripture promises that when we let go, we find fulfillment. We find our purpose in, 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 in what God created us to do. And we all know that, you know, things and all this stuff, it feels good at the time and we like it, but it's not what life is all about. But we continually make that stuff what life is about. And we need to let that go and find something much deeper and richer and everlasting. And that's life fulfilled. And, and whether you live a simple life here on earth, that's such a short period of time compared to the eternity we're going to spend in heaven. And it's just a challenge to continually go through and understand that. Many never completely let go. Many never experience the fullness of fellowship. Many never move from being a fan to being a follower. Because I just won't pick up my cross. I just won't completely yield. I just won't be prepared to sacrifice. I just... Because I just can't somehow understand or believe that that would be better. Yet Scripture tells us that it is. Even the Lord Jesus died, and, I, and, 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 and we have that moment in the we have that moment in, in, in the garden, which is a very poignant moment in Scripture. Which is like, is there any way, Father, that we could do this differently? I'm paraphrasing, but like, let this cup pass for me. I think is the, the term that we read. Is there any, and Jesus, God says, the Father says, no, there has to be sacrifice in order for there to be life. And Jesus is like, okay. And he trusted in the fact that he dying would have an incredible, his purpose would be fulfilled, which was to bring life to all of us. And that meant dying. And you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about this. It just kind of uh, popped into my head. You know, if caterpillars didn't naturally just kind of go through the process of cocooning and becoming a butterfly, and, and they had to somehow be convinced that you had, to, you had to die as a caterpillar in order to become this beautiful butterfly, I wonder how many butterflies we would have. It's like, oh... I don't want to die. What if I don't? What if I don't become a butterfly? What if, what if it's not better to fly and soar than it is to crawl on the ground? What if it's not better to be beautiful and colorful than it is to kind of be whatever, all furry and whatever? Not that that's bad necessarily, but what if? What if? 
It's too risky. Well, God didn't create them with a choice, but he creates us with a choice. And so many of us are standing there, and it's like, hmm, okay with being a fan. Don't be okay with being a fan. There is so much more. You just have to believe it and take that step of faith and allow God to work, and there is just incredible butterfly-like things (laughs) on the other side of that. But many, many just never, never let go. And if we don't let go, we don't get that. When we die to self and live for Christ, we become who we were created to be. And only God, only Jesus, only that followership relationship can fill that hole, fill that fulfillment need, that purpose, that angst that's in all of us. Only through following Christ, which is dying to self and being transformed. So that's, that's where we, we are today with these paradoxes of the cross and life and death and the fact that, that living for myself is actually not good for me. Living for others is actually, and living for Christ is actually better. And the fact that letting go actually means receiving something far greater and far better than we could ever amass for ourselves. And they're just, but that's what followers get. In conclusion, followers understand these paradoxes. They understand these things and live them out in their lives. As examples for us. And, uh, and they live fulfilled lives as they let go and do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, just for a brief glimpse into the cross and just the, the interesting paradoxes that you have actually created uh, with this symbol. And Father, we understand just the, the challenge of death and life and how they somehow work together. And Father, we pray that as we consider bearing our cross, that we have come to a point of understanding that it's dying to self. It's yielding my will. It's taking every thought and every decision and everything that we do captive for what you want and what you desire. Searching scripture, praying urgently and diligently to ensure that we're doing what it is that you want us to do. And in doing so, Father, we understand that it's wonderful. There's fulfillment. And we're just... It's amazing. Thank you for the glimpses that we've had of that. And Father, as we continually are obedient and and die to self, thank you for that ongoing hope and peace and fulfillment that comes in this life and for the life to come. And so we're grateful for that. Thank you for this symbol. In Jesus' name, amen.